like to invite you, once you've done that, to turn in your Bibles to the Gospel of Luke. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Luke chapter 2. We actually studied the passage immediately preceding this on Sunday morning. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20 this evening. 8 through 20. I'd like you to remember, if you could, times in your life where you've experienced great news. We all have those kinds of times. We might think of of kind of silly things that are meaningful to us, like the first time we got a car and we found out that we could drive it off the lot, that it was it was ours, or drive it away from whoever we purchased it from. It was it was great news that we had a car. Or you might think of an upcoming birthday. It was great news to find out that certain loved ones and friends are going to be in town. We might think about even more uh, serious world-changing kind of news. Like, for example, when penicillin was discovered, it was found out that we could cure serious infections and certain illnesses, or you might think of the Gutenberg printing press, and books would be available to all kinds of people, all classes of society. We might think, for example, of the, the famous telegraph, when suddenly information could be shot across an entire continent in just a matter of seconds. There's more sobering kinds of news. Like, for example, we can imagine the news that you get when the doctor informs you that the scans are negative and that you have been completely healed. We can think, for example, of news that might happen when a, a father and a mother hear that first heartbeat of their child the very first time. We can think of news of the young man in a foxhole fighting for his life and worried that he might meet death soon, finding out that the war is over, the enemy has surrendered, and he will be going home. Lots of good kinds of news. But the passage in front of us is so much greater than all of that news that if you were to take all of those pieces of news, all those moments of joy and happiness and relief and gladness and celebration, if you were to wrap them all up somehow and, and, and put them all in one place and weigh them on a scale against this news, they, they would be counted as nothing, as worthless in comparison to the good news of great joy that is present in this passage that we're about to read. If you're to change the metaphor, if you, if you compare the, the light of this news to all of that other news, all of the, the millions of moments of good news that men and women and children have experienced throughout their, 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 the history of mankind, it would be as a, a keychain flashlight compared to the sun. All of the news that we get that's good has this one crucial and fatal flaw. It's all temporary. Have you ever noticed that? Good news, it's temporary. Life, even when it's restored or healed or, or fixed, ultimately breaks again. Medicine that can heal and revive ultimately cannot resurrect. You get this sense, don't you, that, that news even of loved ones that are coming to see you will, will one day be gone again. 
The Christmas holidays end, summer vacation concludes, and the good news that we had comes to an end. But this news, this news has no end. All that other news, it blesses our life, but it can't connect us to the source of life. All that other news, it's like a, an echo of, of, of sound or a, a flash of light in a dark cave. It, it's, a, it's a blessing while it lasts. But in the end, in the end, it cannot produce the final connection to the source of life and light that we need. That's what this passage is about. It's about the greatest news of the greatest joy. And as we read it, I want you to have in your mind that, that huge gathering of all of those bits of news. And I want you to remember that compared to this news, all of those moments of news are as nothing compared to this. The greatest joy all mankind could ever experience compared to this is as nothing compared to the joy announced in Luke chapter 2. Verses 8 and following. Let's read this news together. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this great thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Lord, bless the preaching of this word. This passage breaks down into two sections. Two sections. We might, we might call those sections uh, joyful news and passionate witnesses. I imagine you can see those sections in your Bible. First, there's the joyful news that is proclaimed by these angels, and then these people that receive the news, the shepherds, turn into passionate witnesses. They witness of Jesus himself. They see him, and then they witness about him to others. There's this joyful news we want to look at first to understand how great this news is that is greater than all of the other news combined together through the history of mankind. Notice that these shepherds are otherwise minding their own business out in the field. They are not the high point of society. They are not the mighty. They are not the strong. They are just lowly shepherds. That seems to be perhaps the main reason that they are chosen is that they, 
they seem to typify a, a lowly individual, someone who has no strength or social might in themselves. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appears to them, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, and no wonder they are filled with fear. That's the typical response of human beings to anyone from heaven, is you are filled with fear. We get the impression that angels are so awe-inspiring that we're tempted to worship them. Certainly, we are terrified of them as human beings because of how much greater it might and power. And there's almost a sense in which the, the glory, the, the glory of God is, is kind of shining down into this field. It's almost as though God opens up a, a crack into heaven and a beam of heavenly light shines down on the secluded hillside where these angels, where these shepherds are. And the glory of heaven, heaven suddenly invades them, and this angel makes an announcement. First, in order perhaps so that they can pay attention to the rest of the news, he tells them, Fear not, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. That word there, good news, I bring you good news, is the verb form of the word we know as gospel. He is about to gospel them. I bring you good news, he says, of great joy that will be not just for a few and certainly not just for the upper class or the mighty, but for all the people. And here's the news. Here's the gospeling that the angel does to them. Unto you is born this day in the city of David, the great Israelite king David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Here's the news. After hundreds of years and countless moments of waiting and being in subjection to foreign powers, now God's people will receive the great news that the Messiah has been born. Christ, meaning God's anointed one, his chosen king. Lord, meaning the sovereign. Ultimately a translation for Yahweh himself. The sovereign one has come. And he is a savior. Rather than coming to conquer or to intimidate or to enslave, this one comes to rescue and to redeem and to pluck out of darkness and bring into light. The fact that David is referenced is yet another reminder from Luke of those great promises of a son to come who would rule over the nations and would welcome God's people into his eternal, worshipful gathering. A Savior, who is Christ the Lord. David's greater son was said to be one who would establish a, a throne forever. The throne of David's future offspring would last forever. There would be no end to it. He would be the sovereign one. And yet, surprisingly, this Savior, this mighty one that we get the hint is the one coming from David, is a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying, note Luke's emphasis again, in a manger. So this mighty Savior, this anointed one they've been waiting hundreds of years to see is somehow an outcast, not able even to have the comfort of a bed. 
And in this one sentence, this, this angel reveals the irony of the gospel that the mighty Savior, the mighty Messiah, will, will not be at the center place of society. Actually, he will be outcast. Actually, he will be shamed. And, and, and this irony will ultimately prove itself true all the way in the fulfillment of his mission on the cross. When Jesus Christ, the glorious Savior, suffers and dies in, in condemnation and shame. And this, this angel packages this truth in the sign of the shepherd, the mighty one, the Lord, Christ, the Savior. He has come and he is a baby in a manger. For those who know the truth about Jesus, that truth is the essence of understanding his glory. That he is the mighty, glorious, coming one who suffered and died to rescue sinners. And in that suffering and death, in that manger, his ultimate glory is revealed. This is why it's good news. It's why the angel can say, fear not, because for sinners, the coming of God's son is terrible news because he's the one that Psalm 2 says will break the nations in pieces like a rod of iron. And yet surprisingly, he comes not first to conquer or to judge or to condemn, but to welcome all people into the household of God. Those who will believe in him can come and experience his salvation. This is, this is why it's good news. This is why it's great joy. This is why you've gathered up all the other news. And every bit of news that you've looked forward to in the past, or you are looking forward to right now, all of those pieces of news are as nothing compared to the good news that Jesus Christ is a savior for sinners. Great joy, great joy. But it is as though one angel is insufficient. It is as though one angel is, is not enough because suddenly there is a, a multitude, it says, a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Now this, this must be great news because we, we find out in the Old Testament in Isaiah that the single angel of the Lord was enough to wipe out 185,000 enemy Assyrians when they were surrounding God's people in Jerusalem. That's one angel. And here we have a multitude. Try, try to put yourself in the scene with these shepherds. One angel was enough to cause them great fear. And now there is a multitude of angels. What what does a multitude of angels shouting sound like? What is that possibly like? I mean, is that like putting your ear right next to Niagara and, and getting all that your head could possibly take? What, what is it like to see the glory of heaven and a multitude of angels shouting glory to God in the highest? And I'll guarantee you this. No one shouts glory to God in the highest like a multitude of angels. Imagine that. Imagine. Try to get yourself in that moment. These are shepherds. Five seconds ago, they were watching sheep munch on grass. And now they are confronted by an army. It says a host from the host of heaven comes a battalion of angels shouting, Glory to God in the highest. What was that like? How important is the news that Jesus has been born? Well, a battalion of angels had to come and shout, Glory to God in the highest. 
and peace. That means more than just a good feeling. That means God's, God's benevolent and gracious rule experienced by his people. You know that Old Testament word shalom? That, that's that idea that the, the wonderful reign of God experienced again among fallen sinners who do not deserve to experience God's kindly rule in their lives, but they are going to experience it now because God, most of that phrase basically means it will come to those that God has placed his pleasure upon. God has had pleasure on certain people, that they, they will receive the pleasure of God in eternity past, and he has chosen to give them his peace. Now gather up all of that news that you look forward to in the past, you look forward to in the future. It is nothing compared to this. Messiah, the Savior, Christ, the Lord, a battalion of angels, heaven itself unveiled, glory to God in the highest because of the shocking mercy displayed in the coming of God the Son as an infant, the incarnation of deity, the wrapping up of heavenly glory, infinity contracted to a span, the mighty maker made into an infant and then suffering and dying for sinners. No wonder the angels said glory to God in the highest because what man could have imagined this way in which God would save his people? These are things as the New Testament writes that angels long to look into. And therefore, they say glory to God in the highest. Do you know who is lying in that manger? Do you realize what he looks like when he's not incarnate? Do you realize what he's currently doing as God the Son, sustaining our voices even as we sing of him in a manger? No wonder a battalion came. No wonder. Can you imagine the jostling among the angels? I don't think angels could be jealous, but if they could in a godly way, I would imagine that everybody signed up for this assignment. Everybody wants to be there. For an angel... To declare the greatness of the good news is an incredible honor because they know how shocking that news is. There's joyful news and then there's passionate witnesses. Verse 15 says, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened. The Lord has made known to us because you simply can't experience the revelation that God the Son has come to earth, especially preached from angels, and, and have it not affect your heart. You, you must respond. You must do something. And when you, are, when you are nearby to the incarnate Son of God, you better do something to get there. That's not the thing that you want to say. We just had better have more of a restful evening. But you know, let's stay home. No, no, you go and you want to see. And that's what the shepherds used to say. They go, they find the child. Surely only one child, as a commentator saying, surely only one child in Bethlehem that night was in a manger. Perhaps many newborns, only one in a manger. They find the child just as the angels had said. He's, he's there. And when they see Jesus, 
they make known the saying that have been told concerning him. So you can hear the, the shepherds passionately repeating the words of the angel. He said that he's the Messiah. He said he's the Christ. He said he's the Lord. He said he's the Savior. He said peace, shalom to God's people. Suddenly the angel's witness becomes the shepherd's witness. And they are telling everyone. You notice the response. Those who heard it wonder. No wonder they wonder. No wonder they wonder. After all of these years, Christ is born. Christ has come. The darkness has been broken by a beam of light from heaven. The distant God has become incarnate. The silent God has suddenly spoken in his son. What good news. And no wonder these passionate witnesses want to tell others. The shepherds, the shepherds are telling others because they can't help themselves. And they return once they have seen the child glorifying and praising God for all they have heard and seen. Because that should always be the response of our heart to this news. It doesn't matter if you're a shepherd or you're a king. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, an adult or a child. The response to this news should always be to bear witness to the witness of these shepherds. It's important to notice that Jesus' birth was not anonymous. Part of the reason the shepherds are here is to bear witness to the reality of Jesus' birth. This wasn't just, just Mary's ambitions for her son. No, there was angels, there were shepherds testifying of angels, there were people that heard about the shepherds. This was a, a public moment to give us confidence that it actually took place. And since it actually took place, we would do well to follow the example of the shepherds and bear witness ourselves and our voices and our hearts and our joy and our passion to declare as well, Christ the Savior has been born. Wrap together all the greatest news of every neighbor you have, the old and the young in your family, and nothing compares to this. Christ the Savior has been born. There is peace to those who hate God if they will turn to Jesus. There is hope for the hopeless. There is light for those in the dark. There is comfort for sufferers. There is life after death. All is wrapped up in this news that God the Son has come to earth, lying in a manger in Bethlehem, and one day hanging on a cross in Golgotha to bring the promise of the manger true. This is good news of great Great joy. Great joy. Worthy of a passionate witness. So great is this news. Mary ponders it in her heart. We don't know for sure, but people speculate that Mary might have been the one who was the first-hand witness when Luke was writing this gospel. You can imagine her years and years later when Jesus has died and risen and ascended to heaven, sharing this story with those gathered in Jerusalem, the young and early church sharing. And then, then the shepherds came and they declared what the angels had said to them. And, and they were telling everyone and shouting and declaring, Christ the Lord has been born. Oh, it was, it was such amazing news. And then it all came true. Because I saw him die as a lamb to the slaughter, and I saw him when he rose, and I know he has ascended. And Mary could accurately say, my son and my God. 
friends and brothers and sisters, let me, let me point this good news of great joy in your heart. If you are here and your soul or your life has wandered away from the God that made you, can I just give you good news of great joy? There is a savior for sinners. You know, there's, there's no savior for people who think they're perfect, but there is a savior for sinners. There is no savior for self-confident human beings, but there is a savior for people who feel desperately helpless and condemned. There's a savior for those kinds of people. So if you're one of those kinds of people and your heart and your life have wandered away from God, guess what? There's a savior for you. And you can know him. And even if you've followed Jesus in the past, but your heart has grown hard to him, and you've begun to love yourself more than him, look, come to him and receive again this good news of great joy. There is a savior for you if you will believe in him. If, if you're a sufferer, and, and you're suffering right now, maybe you're suffering some physical illness, maybe you're suffering relational disharmony in your family, perhaps even over the holidays, you've, you've struggled to know how to converse with certain family members. Listen, listen, there is peace with God in Jesus Christ, which should comfort us in any lack of peace among one another. If that's true, this not being true, we can endure. If that's true, then any temporary lack of peace, we can endure. Do you see how it turns everything upside down? Because you know what else is temporary? The good news in this world is temporary. You know what else is temporary? The bad news. The bad news is just as temporary as the good news, and that's why this great news is so good. So if you've wandered from the Lord Jesus or you're suffering in some way, listen, if you believe in Jesus, that is temporary. What is permanent is the greatest news of the greatest joy about the greatest person. So brothers and sisters, let's, let's not be distracted by the many smaller bits of news, good or bad, that come our way every day. Personal news, professional news, country news, international news. It comes our way every day. Let's not be distracted by that news. If you gather it all up into a bag, you could toss it out as irrelevant compared to this great news of great joy. You might get news tomorrow that is good or bad. Don't let your heart rise too high or fall too low because you have the good news of great joy. Christ, the Savior, has been born. But the news worth witnessing about to the Lord and to one another and to those who don't know him. The greatest news of the greatest joy changes how we view every other kind of news. If we believe the, the, believe the great news of the greatest joy about Jesus Christ, Every other bit of news is smaller. Keychain lights are fun, but they're not the sun. Darkness is discouraging, but the light has come. The light of heaven quite literally came to earth shines still through his word for those who still walk in darkness can see the great light the greatest news 
greatest joy. The greatest joy. <coughs> you pray. You invite Rob and the man to me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth. Thank you for dying to save us. Thank you for rising again so that we can be with you one day. Thank you for giving us the greatest news of the greatest joy. And Lord, help us to rate every other kind of news, good or bad, rightly compared to this news about you. Thank you. And we love you. Thank you.